Good morning. That's quite a passage. Well done for working through so much scripture. I've got the task of trying to make sense of that with you. Seeing the big picture. This is part of the sermon series on evangelism and how we can gain confidence in sharing the good news about Jesus. I'll break the passage down into a teaching session with a number of components which I hope will enrich you. The slides and text will be available for home groups and individuals studying J. John's Breaking News. As you listen, be open to the Holy Spirit to lead you into a deeper experience of God you may find you're out of your comfort zone. It'll be a rapid tour. Please keep your Bibles open in the passage, page 1173, as we shall be moving around various verses. Uh, I wasn't here last Sunday, but I've listened to David Lee's teaching ministry. I just want to give you a summary of why Jesus evangelized and David very skillfully gave us five key points. Jesus evangelized because he was led or pushed by the Holy Spirit. Jesus acted by the power of the Spirit. The Spirit wanted him to do it. He did it because the Father desired him to do it. Jesus has a heart for people. He welcomes people and blesses them in their need. And we are the expression of his heart today. Jesus shows us what God is really like and what the kingdom of God is like. Showing the nature of the Father, God is a God of love. Jesus enjoyed evangelism, bringing good news to people. The 70 were full of joy when they returned. See Luke 10. It's good fun. He wants us to do it. David reminded us that Jesus needs to replace the wrong images and understanding that we have in our thinking. Saul was a religious zealot, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, legalistic to the extreme, a persecutor of the newly born church who sanctioned the death of Christians. He was present at the martyrdom of Stephen. And Stephen, in his dying moment, when he went to sleep to be with the Lord, said, Forgive them. And that cry in his heart would have been outworked as Jesus intervened in Paul's life. Paul underwent a deep transformational change. He came to the end of himself. Jesus intervened in his life to bring him to a place of seeing differently. Blinded by the dazzling light 
of Christ. Saul was temporarily blind for three days. Then, as Ananias prayed over him, he saw in a new way. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. He was a new man in Christ. Now, Paul previously spiritually dead but now alive you can read the account of Paul's Damascus Road experience in Acts 9 51 to 60 but I suggest get into his letters and discover his testimony and service for Christ little aside your road to faith and hope where are you on your journey today how would you tell someone about how Jesus has changed you I don't think I've ever done this here but I want to tell you in a few moments my story an experience of pub evangelism and disrupting a church service dreadful you see I was a mixed up university student with a lot of baggage and I'd been brought up in Sunday school and church for years made a couple of quite serious responses to God but hadn't got the goods two close friends from sixth form days and heading towards university became Christians one of them, complete atheist, living on the fringe, um, into Marx and Lenin, loved Shakespeare, who uh, went out for a drink in the pub. My friend had, had a pint of black velvet, Guinness cider, couldn't afford the champagne. And my friend told me, I've become a Christian. And I knew what this person was like. And I practically nearly fell off the bar stool, shocked, because I was the religious one. And this person had now got something quite remarkable. I saw a person changed. Let me introduce you to the pub evangelist in our midst, the one and only Mrs. Helen Gilbert. She and her friend prayed for me. Helen was at university and she was in the early house church movement days and God was moving in the spirit. And I saw her grow, but I hadn't got what she got. She knew Jesus personally. And I landed up in a little house church up in Bradford on a Saturday night, which was a sort of evangelistic meeting. And the preacher who spoke was quite a remarkable preacher. And he went on preaching the gospel. And I remember something about him. When he looked in my direction and he sort of said, you scientists, you'll never grasp this in your minds. Something's got to happen deep within you. And I was so overtaken by that. I actually said, stop. I can't, I want Jesus, but I can't find him. 
That was in the middle of his preaching. Wouldn't that be great if when John Coyne is preaching, David Lee is preaching, and others too, people like you, disrupted the service, saying, I want God. I want Jesus. I can't find him. And he graciously came over. Two other people in that same service were actually incredibly affected and wanted exactly what I'd got. Both of them went on to do ministry in God's work. And this gentleman prayed with me. And you know what I discovered? My eyes were opened. I was enlightened. And for the first time in my life, I knew that Jesus loved me. And I ain't been the same since. So let's disrupt the services a bit more. Be a bit more risque and live dangerously. Just to emphasize a little bit more about that, the question for me, and it may be for you, have we come to the place where I am crucified with Christ? My old nature and self-interest has been put to death, been buried and raised up into new life into the new life Jesus wants me to experience as a man or a woman. There can be no new birth without a death. The cross is the route to the transforming experience of being born again spiritually. It was needful for Nicodemus, the respected man of religion. It was needful for Paul as it is for us. I haven't put this in the notes, which you can read later if you wish, but I was thinking that, you know, some folk have an insatiable appetite for confrontation, controversy, challenging the status quo. But it doesn't reflect the mindset of Christ. And these were both men, Nicodemus and Paul, who in that sense, in their thinking, thought and thought and thought and argued and debated but had missed the point until Jesus steps in and transforms us. Have we really appreciated the great salvation of Jesus and what he's done for us as individuals? Ephesians is a snapshot summary of the big picture. I would like to suggest we use this passage to test our personal foundations of faith and see how much ownership of this big picture we have. We can use it to ask, how is my relationship with Jesus? If we're confident and effective in sharing the good news of, our, of Jesus with others, we have to be sure of our foundations and know our position in Christ. J. John writes, to communicate the optimism and hope of the gospel, we need to be able to explain the big picture of God's positive attitude and dealings with humanity throughout history. Those of you in home groups who will be studying this book, you'll see how this passage is broken up into seven sections. Each word begins with a C, hence 
the seven seas. Nothing to do with what you buy in Barrett and Baird, the health food shop. But this is good, healthy stuff, the seven seas. There are scripture references to this, but I'm in the appendix of the book, but I'm not going to cover them this morning, but rather I'm going to develop these seven C's in the passage we've just read. So here are the seven C's, seven sections. Creation, the relationship of, between God and humanity. Chaos, sin and separation. Covenant, the covenant and blessings and promises. Christ the mediator of the new covenant. Jesus the conqueror. Having certainty in our life and the fact that the rescue has gone to completion. Let's start with creation. The relationship between God and humans. And from our passage, um, I'll read it in a moment, but just think about creation in the Genesis story. Humans are made in the image of God. And when Jesus came, because humanity got so messed up, he came to show us what humanity should look like, if you like, the second Adam. So we read in Ephesians 1 verse 4, for he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, in love. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. Paul has captured the heart of God in what were always his creative intentions for humanity. Namely, that men and women live in a holy and loving relationship with him and each other. Each of us is uniquely and wonderfully made with an identity that God wants to use for good. We could explore this more in terms of what it means to be spiritually fruitful. Chaos. Sin and separation. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, all of us lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts like the rest. We were by nature deserving of God's wrath. It's a pretty graphic reminder of what the sinful life is about. There are some tough issues here. Outside Christ, we are continually open to the lies and deceptions of Satan the ruler of the kingdom of the air, as he is described. What are we breathing in? Yes, polluted air in the natural, on our roads with emissions and so on, but more, we're breathing in so much of the ways of the thinking of the world which affects us spiritually. 
in contrast, Jesus, before he ascended back to heaven, breathed on the disciples. The life-giving spirit of God. How vital it is that we breathe in and out the life of the Spirit, the breath of God, so that by the Spirit he can reshape our minds, that the mind and the life of Christ can be developed in us. This is a tough bit next. There can be a false assumption that we're all children of God. We are his creatures. But if we're not in relationship with God, then who are we in relationship with? Jesus answered this when addressing religious people. John 8:42 Jesus said, "If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I've not come on my own." God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. Here's the tough bit. You belong to your father the devil. And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. Not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies... He speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. We need to know what we're up against. The way of the world is not the way of God. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. We deserved God's anger, but his love, grace and mercy have overridden this. Covenant is the next C. Covenant blessings and promises. You have to look into chapter 2 to verse 12. Remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope, without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Christ shed his blood as the ultimate sacrifice for sin. And when he cried out, it is finished, the veil of the temple was torn in two and the new covenant was established. It's essential to understand what Jesus has made possible for us. Two key passages help us and the truth in them needs to be foundational to our experience. This is what Jeremiah says in chapter 31. I'll put these points up first. What what does covenant mean? Covenant was initiated at the time of creation by God. It was based on relationship and love 
for those he made in his own likeness. Freedom was embedded in that relationship, but God gave a clear instruction as to what would break the relationship, namely, to eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Later on, because of the fall and sin and disobedience, the old covenant laws were established by God through Moses to contain wrongdoing and sin. But there was something better to come, the new covenant. So taking up Jeremiah 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant that I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbour or say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me. From the least to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive the wickedness and remember their sins no more. And this is clearly correlated and corroborated by Ezekiel in chapter 36, 25. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you. And cleanse means deep, deep cleaning from all your impurities, from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Then you will live in the land I give your ancestors. You will be my people. I will be your God. I will save you from all your uncleanness. You have some faith. But have you received revelation, wisdom and hope? Paul writes in Ephesians 1.17 I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his people. So a little bit of a self-check. Have you experienced the blessing of a new heart and new spirit? Do you feel washed and clean? Do you know the laws of God written on your heart, outworking in your mind? Is your hope on a sure foundation, or is it just wishful? The other wonderful blessing of the new covenant is love. As Paul writes in Romans 5, hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. 
are you full of his love? Christ the mediator. Read these verses through. Um, I love that little phrase, the riches of God's grace lavished on us. These words speak for themselves, but grace and faith are key words. Note that faith is a gift from God. If you find it difficult to believe, be like the man who asked for help. Lord, please help me to believe. And as you take that step, Jesus will help you. If I put my hand into yours to shake it, you reach out. He's made connection. But if you don't reach out and take what Jesus is offering you, you're not connected. It's a liberating truth. There's no new life or power of the Spirit till we come to the cross and have been washed by the blood of the Lamb, God's ultimate sacrifice for sin. Jesus, our mediator. Jesus is the conqueror. His great power and mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule, authority, power and dominion, every name that is evoked, not only in the present age, but in the age to come. Have we really grasped, or have we actually underestimated the great power and mighty strength of God? The name of Jesus is far above all. He's awesome. One of Rob Cook's favourite words. And just as an aside, Paul encouraged Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. And we have somebody who does the work of an evangelist day by day, week after week, year after year. And that's Rob. Bless you, dear brother. Certainty. New life by the Spirit. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. 11 to 14. We're chosen, we've been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. And this is lovely. And you were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation when you believed. You were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession. This is the foundational truth about our position in Christ. So predestined, chosen to be sons and daughters for his purposes and praise, included in Christ, marked in him with the seal of the Spirit the deposit of guaranteeing our inheritance. So test yourself. Have you really heard the message of truth, the gospel for your personal salvation? Have you really believed and received and, as I showed with Rob, connected? Have you received the Holy Spirit? If you know God as your Father, 
His love will be alive in your heart. Completion, the rescue package. This is outlined clearly by Paul in his overview, chapter 2, verses 4 to 6. Because of his great love, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. We are in a heavenly relationship. Jesus lived with heaven open to him. John the Baptist saw heaven opened, as did some of the Old Testament prophets. The disciples had their eyes open to the heavenly perspective and as they saw Jesus ascend back to heaven. As an old saying, people are so heavenly minded they're of no earthly good. Perhaps we should say, if we are to be of earthly use, we need to be heavenly minded, continually receiving revelation and understanding from the mindset of Jesus. Here's a foundation check. Our foundation is based on being dead to our old self, being alive in Christ, living and walking in the Spirit, that the eyes of our hearts are continually being enlightened to know Jesus more and more, and living with heaven open to us, full of God's love. I'll leave that for you to read, but it's the summary of Paul's heart expressed in Corinthians chapter 2, verse 5. And the key thing here is about reconciliation. And the lovely thing is verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. So I challenge us all, are we reconciled to God? Are you reconciled to others? Are you a new creation? And in the last verse, the challenge is we're to be Christ's ambassadors, the work of evangelism. Are you signed up to be an ambassador for Christ? If the Lord has touched things in your life, you might like to come for prayer. Or talk to some of us. Let's pray. Father, take these words and wing their way into all of our hearts, Lord. And for those who need to know you, Lord, bless them, encourage them, and bring them to a deep place of relationship with you. Lord Jesus, amen.